Welcome to another edition of Len's Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush this week. So I've mentioned on many occasions that everyone who gets a trophy is really hurting society. Well, that was for kids. But now I see that adults are also getting into the act and getting a so-called trophy. And that is the biggest trophy one apparently can get over the age of 18 now. It's the I Voted sticker. We appreciate that you voted and you feel good about your decision to vote. But do we really need to get a sticker that confirms this? What are we for? I mean, really, are, are you a dog that needs a pat on the back for sitting? Good boy. So not only do you people get a sticker, but now we have to see you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other medium which shows you voted and got your participation voting trophy. You know how we know you voted? Well, when we see the numbers on November the 3rd, that's how we know that you voted. That's okay. We also now have early voting. People are standing in line now all the time, waiting in line with the, with the pandemic going on, and they're standing in line and voting. And again, I appreciate that you voted. That's, that's great that you have the voting uh, ability. The whole voting process, though, is so antiquated. We have so much technology, but still require you to go to a small school or a voting precinct. I mean, come on. Put an app on your phone already. If you can file your taxes online, put your social security number in, and we don't care about that, why can't we do this for voting? We also now can scan menus from your phone, and you can get that right on your phone. The menu, why can't we get a ballot, scan your driver's license from your phone, and there you go. You're done and voted. And then no need for a sticker, just an email which says you voted. Okay, before I get too worked up, I need to bring on my next guest. And he gets a special introduction. Your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen. Now coming to Lens Burning Bush, number 28, Tom Ragone, number 28. A special Bob Shepard welcome. Tom and I worked together at WHUD and WLNA Peekskill in the 90s. And Tom, welcome to Lens Burning Bush. I thought you'd like the Bob Shepard to bring you on. I love it. I love it. And uh, that used, I used to make you, uh, your listeners will be happy to know, I used to ask you every day that we worked together uh, at WHUD and LNA to do the Bob Shepard and introduce me as I came into the building. So yeah. it's apropos that you do it now, and I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome. And I, I figured you'd enjoy this, because why is it that we can do everything by our computer and we can't vote that way? Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'm sitting outside of a Dunkin' Donut. I use the Dunkin' Donut app all the time. And what do they know? They know when I've ordered something and used it once, and they don't let me use it again. They have that technology at Dunkin' Donuts. Why can't we? Uh, I agree with you 100%, bro. Yeah, I they mean, should, it's... They should, uh, we should be voting another means than going to an old school or yeah. church. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. And now they complain about the mail-in vote and everybody's voting early now because they want to get in line and they, they want to get their vote in. And I understand you want your vote to count, which you really know that it really doesn't count. I mean, come on, let's be honest. It, it's just, a, you know, when you, when, with the whole, uh, the way electoral colleges work, depending on where you live, you're pretty much screwed. I mean, it, it's pretty much going to be the way it's going to be, right? Well, I'm in New York. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, you're, it, you're screwed. It doesn't matter which way I vote, you know, it's... New York traditionally votes a certain way, so which makes no sense uh, but to I me. Will vote. But yes, it's just the whole thing, the whole process. But let's get the app on the phone. I mean, we could make a billion dollars maybe doing this. Let, let's let's come up with it ourselves. We don't need anybody else to do it, right? We, I'm telling you, I you know I, I have a 
a background in, in radio, so that qualifies me to make, make an app. And you know, I think we could, uh, yeah, I think we, it's a moneymaker, Len. I think so, because let's face it, why would you want to stand in line to do anything? I, I, don't, like the sta- I don't like to stand in line for anything. I, we, it was funny, we, we were in uh, Las Vegas, and uh, we'll talk. We'll get to that in a second. But I, uh, you know, we we found out it was going to be forty five minutes to an hour to wait for a table. Now the benefit of being in Las Vegas to wait forty five minutes is you can find a slot machine or do something. Uh, but when you go into a restaurant and you got to wait forty five minutes, I usually just go. I like I I got no I got no patience for that. But people will wait online. They they wait online for Lowe's and Home Depot and all this stuff. And everybody was worried about voting. Like, you just waited online at the grocery store. You just waited online. And why is this a problem? Why are we voting so much earlier? Explain that to me, will you? Well, that's because we have to make every vote count. You know, and they're afraid that if you, you, know, if you have to wait online, you might not want to vote. Yeah. So, you know what? You have a month now to, to go on a Saturday morning where there's no line and go vote. Yeah. Well, or I, mail it in or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm probably one of the – you know, I'm probably in the minority here, but I actually enjoy the process of voting. Yeah. You know, um, I've voted every election since 1986, and and uh, it, it's a it's a privilege to be able to go vote, right? So, you know, I enjoy the process. I enjoy the way our government is set up, and it's the most. It's not perfect, but it's the you know, you show me a better government. I, no, you know, exactly. Um, so, you know, I'm proud to go vote. I'm proud to stand in line. I, you know, I enjoy the the moment of it, you know, kind of like going to a ball game or, you know, another. I enjoy the process. Right. And you don't need a vote. I voted sticker. You just do it because you want to do no. it. It's the same with me. Why do we need to see everybody's I voted sticker on Facebook and Twitter? You know, come on already. Enough. Well, it's the same thing as the Facebook check in, right? Yeah. Like everybody's got to check in somewhere, you know. And- yeah. It's not enough to go do it anymore. Now you need proof that you did it. Right. Well, right? I, I, otherwise it didn't happen. Back in my day, right? We we could do back in our day. We used to just go places and there'd be no evidence of anything, and that's the way we liked it. Damn it, we liked it that way. <laughs> we didn't. Yes, need, I yeah. like the the anonymity of uh, of doing something, and and nobody, like you said, I don't I don't need the trail that I've done something. Exactly. And I saw something. I saw a meme that you might like. It said, "Can somebody please." Just give me a participation trophy for making it through today, please. I mean, that's that's yeah. the that's the perfect analogy to the I voting um, sticker. So it's just uh, well, anyway, we could go on and on about the I voting sticker. But I've got an interesting thing about the election that you'll might find interesting, and it has nothing to do with whether or not you think Biden or Trump is a good candidate. This is the real winner of the 2020 election might be a Pennsylvania bakery. Now listen to this. They've got a family-owned bakery in the town of Hatboro, claims that it has election-themed cookies. Now, currently flying off the rack, they've accurately apparently predicted the outcome of the past three presidential elections. So, so far, the sales indicator, uh, it, the clear leader is the race, right, for 2020. You know, Lockles Bakery, it's L-O-C-H-E-L. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's located in Montgomery County, just north of Philadelphia, which, all right, Philadelphia, it's kind of the mini New York, right? Uh, had launched into the most recent cookie poll about six weeks back, offering both Trump 2020 cookies and Biden 2020 cookies in red and blue, respectively. This year's sales, however, are unlike anything other, which you can imagine, right? So people are going crazy for them, as Kathleen Lockle in a statement to Fox News, 
Uh, they're only accepting orders now of 100 cookies or more. So when you want to get them, Tom, you know, get your cookies. They say um, the bakers are they're ha- happy to oblige customers near and far. Um, they uh, currently shipping cookies to all states over the country. And Kathleen credits their popularity to both word of mouth and social media. So, so far, earlier on Friday, Trump was in the lead three to one, uh, she told Fox News. And so this is kind of interesting. Uh, apparently, back in 2016, Tom, the cookie poll isn't entirely reflective of Montgomery County, which is in, in Pennsylvania. She said, despite the bakery sales correctly predicting that Trump would win in 2016, 58% of the voters had casted their ballot for Hillary Clinton. So, again, we've had other people predict uh, things, so why not have a cookie predict the election? Sure. That, and that reminds me, you know, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second, but it also reminds me of every Super Bowl, they do the Madden Super Bowl, uh, you know, where two guys play each other yeah. with the two teams, and it apparently determines the outcome. And, you know, they're right like eight out of ten times or something like that. Yeah. I don't... Same thing, I guess, same concept, but. Yeah, I don't care too much about it, but I, I would like a cookie right now. So that would be, I, yeah. I would eat the cookie. So it, it would be amazing to see no one, if you're if you're a Trump fan, you're not eating a Biden cookie. And if you're a Biden fan, you're no. never eating a Trump. Like there's no in the middle anymore. Like you couldn't eat one of yeah. each. You know what I find it to be like, so I, I spent the most of the summer down on the Jersey Shore. And um, I noticed there's a lot of fervent for Trump or against Trump, but it's very little you know, for Biden himself. Right. Do you, you find that? Yeah, the case? I, I agree a hundred percent. You're either for, you're either for Trump or you're against Trump, which means you're a Biden supporter because you're, you're stuck right, with in him. In this case it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're stuck with yeah. him. You, you didn't, you didn't want, I mean, he barely got through the process, right? You know, that's kind of what you're stuck with here. So that, that's the interesting thing. But of course you're loyal to, you want Trump out, you're going to vote Biden. You want, you know, the other way you're going to. So anyway, enough of the voting. Let's get back to what we really should be talking about. And that is that I was in Las Vegas and I wanted to talk about the Raiders a little bit because Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, if there ever was a, we were talking about this on the trip. If there ever was a time, like a team that would be the perfect Las Vegas team, it is the Raiders. I mean, John Gruden, all of that, the whole thing, it's just amazing. And we were at the sports book on Sunday when the Raiders were playing the Chiefs. And the fans were just going nuts, you know, when the Raiders scored a touchdown. It's like, it's really nice to see that they've adopted the uh, the Raiders uh, as they have. And, and, to, to be honest with you, as an old Raider fan, uh, a long time, I should say, not that old, but yeah, uh, you're not you that know, old. I go back to o- Oakland. I stayed with them for the switch to Los Angeles, back to Oakland, and now to Vegas. And I, I honestly, I love Oakland, but you know they had to get out of that stadium, and Las Vegas was the perfect location for the Raiders. They epitomize everything that uh, you know Las Vegas seems to stand for or not stand for, right? So. But uh, my only problem was, you know, like uh, fan base, it's going to be very transient. You're probably going to have, you know, half the crowd will be rooting for the other team. But so what? That stadium is gorgeous, by the way. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we saw it being built. I was there in December as well. And I would have loved to have gone if there was a game to go to. Uh, I know that they don't have uh, fans at the games right now uh, due to the COVID. But, you know, I think uh, it's just nice to see. And I see that uh, Vegas is, you know, they're thinking about – getting a Super Bowl and 
which I can't believe all these years that they didn't have a Super Bowl in Vegas, but I guess because they didn't build the stadium. You know, if you build it, they will come. That's the way it works. Well, and not only that, but for years, right, Vegas was taboo. They, the NFL didn't want, or any league, yeah. didn't want anything to do with Las Vegas or sports gaming. And, oh. and uh, I, I think the Las Vegas hockey team kind of paved the way and said, oh, you know what, maybe it's not an outlandish idea to have professional sports in Las Vegas. And uh, I, I think it's a perfect, perfect marriage. And it, it's a, you know, it, it helps that the Raiders actually, uh, you know, are a little bit uh, on the upswing with John Gruden at the helm. And they brought in some young, exciting players. Henry Ruggs is one of the fastest guys in the NFL. And, you know, you know, a lot's going to depend on Derek Carr. But uh, I, I really, you know, I was impressed last week by them beating the Chiefs. And I, I, th- I think signs are really pointing up to this team. You got to like, you know, Gruden. I mean, he, he, he got a lot of slack in the beginning. You know, the, he came in, he made some trades, and obviously you might like him or dislike like the guy. But, he, but you know, this is what, year three now or, or, or so? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and he's three, yeah. yeah, he's done – I think he's done an incredible job building and changing the culture. I've always said that the Bengals, they should have done something like that. I mean, they brought in, you know um, – a guy that was from L.A., I always like to say he was holding the clipboard for uh, the guy that was the quarterback genius, right? So apparently he's a genius because he held the clipboard. But I just find it interesting. If you want to really change the culture, you really need to, to just dig in. And, and the Jets are right now the ultimate dumpster fire. Do you know that the Jets right now could go 0-16 and still not get Trevor Lawrence and the number one pick because the Giants are going to go 0-16 also. And the Giants would have the uh, pick is what I've been reading. So there you go. Typical Jet. NFL in New York, it's been woeful. I mean, and at least the Giant fans have, you know, the past uh, decade they've won a couple of Super Bowls to hang their hat on. The Jet fans, you know, I'm tired of hearing about 1969 because most Jet fans weren't even born yet. Um, but it, it just, you know, like you, you could tell the Adam Gase marriage was a horrible one from the very beginning. You know, his, yeah. his press conference was a circus. Yeah. And, you know, if, you know, they've, you know, how many times are they going to have to have a top five pick before they get it right? It kind of reminds me of what the Bengals went through yeah. or the Browns even for many years of, of picking in the top five spot. And finally, you know, the, the Browns seems to have got it correct. And I think the Bengals kind of uh, have gotten it correct. But, yeah, I mean, know, we'll they've got Burrow. The Burrow's very good and uh, good for them for that. But the Jets, of course, I mean, it, it, if you're a Jet fan right now, I really feel for you. I, I think they need a hug. It, 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 it's just it, it, you look at that situation. It is not getting any better. So let's just say that the Jets get the number one pick and they don't get Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Where do you go from here? Because you're obviously looking – you're probably going to move away from Darnold. I feel so bad for him because – he has gotten no support uh, at all. And and I bet you he goes to another team and does okay. Well, there's plenty, like, you know, honestly, if Derek Carr doesn't work out for the Raiders, I wouldn't mind seeing Sam yeah. Darnold. I loved him at USC. I think he's, there's still something there. If you, put him, if you pair him with the right coach, I, I think you have something there. But, 
I, I do think that the Giants will probably get a couple of wins because, to be honest with you, they've been the NFC least. Yeah, oh, yeah. And those teams are horrible. The Redskins, the Eagles are, are bad football teams. Even the Cowboys are a horrible team. But somebody's got to win that division and go to the playoffs, right? So I think the Giants just, you know, just by the nature of playing in that division are going to win a, a couple of games. The Jets, I just don't no. see it. And I think the Jets at this point are trying to lose because they just uh, released Le'Veon Bell. And uh, Le'Veon Bell goes from the outhouse to the penthouse. Uh, talk about, I mean, that is just a, you go to the Jets, you go from the Jets to the Kansas City Chiefs, possibly. I mean, that that's amazing. And I will say, though, Len, that, you know, if, if you look at it, your team got it right on both yeah. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio yeah. Brown. They I- cut bait with both guys. You know, earlier rather than later, and they were right on both counts. Well, what, but as far yeah. as Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs, that's my worst nightmare as a Raider fan, of course. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, give, give Andy Reid one more weapon to work with because he doesn't have enough. No, I know. He's got everybody uh, on that team. But Le'Veon Bell, there's a guy who sat out of season, you know, thought he was going to get all this money, got $52 million, only got, I guess, was it 30 or 40 guaranteed, $30 million, which what the Steelers had offered him back like two years ago. He could have stayed and not – he sat out a year. And I hope I hope that he actually starts to play well again uh, for uh, for another team. And if it's the Chiefs, that's, that's great. But uh, you're right about the Steelers. For some reason, you know, I always thought Mike Tomlin kind of was – you know, they were not very disciplined. But then when you see the situation with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, you're like, maybe he was – maybe he is the guru for the players, right? Maybe he's the only one that can get those guys to really – play and when they go to another team i mean it goes back to mike wallace if you remember mike wallace was a wide receiver for the steelers went to the dolphins and was terrible you never heard from him again and even plexico burris who played with the steelers and was phenomenal he did win a super bowl with the giants uh but then he shot his leg you know the whole thing after that but he was another problem child right Antonio Holmes was another. Antonio yeah. Holmes went to the Jets yeah. and, and, and did not have a great career it, with the Jets. So, it, yeah, it, the Steelers it, have a tradition of two things, uh, linebackers and running – well, actually three. Linebackers, yeah. running backs, wide receivers, and they know when to cut bait on guys. You know, and it's it's a business, right? So, yeah. Tomlin, you know, a lot of times coaches will wait too long on players, but, you know, Tomlin seems to, you know – uh, have a good hand uh, knowing when to cut bait on guy, and hey, it's just a business, right? Yeah, and I think I, I would have welcomed Le- Le'Veon Bell back if if the Steelers had decided to bring him back because you know he he learned his lesson and he's back. You know that would be okay, but uh, we'll we'll see about that. One other football item I thought you would find interesting, uh, Tom, is Arch Manning. I don't know if you saw the ma- the mania is already here. The kid's fourteen years old, uh, fifteen rather. He's able. He's about to become the most hyped high school football player of his generation, not because of his famous last name, but he actually has the talent to prove it. And what's interesting is he's not the son of Eli. He is not the son of Peyton. He is the son of Cooper. So the Mannings just keep putting these quarterbacks out. It's amazing. Uh, uh, and, and they're all the you know they're all the sons or grandsons of one Archie Manning, who's yes. the patriarch and. You know, I, I remember him as a, a child, you know, as a kid growing up in the 70s. Archie Manning was one of my favorite quarterbacks on, a, on just a ridiculously bad franchise, the Saints, the, eight, the old Aints. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they never won, and he never, you know, he never got the due that he deserved. But, he, you know, he was a great quarterback, and 
you know, his sons and now his grandson. And uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, the, the pedigree. But, yeah, good for him. I, yeah. You know, maybe the Jets will draft him in, you know, seven <laughs> or eight years. They should draft him right? now. They should draft him now. Sorry, you can come to the – forget college. Forget the – you're coming out at 15. That's going to be the new the new rule. Forget this three-year waiting or whatever that is. Because apparently look, – look at these numbers. Uh, the other night he uh, he led New Orleans uh, – I guess it's Isidore Newman to a 55-22 to 22 win over Kip Booker T. Washington. His numbers were 21 of 27 – for 241 yards, two touchdowns passing, two interceptions. He also rushed for two other touchdowns, and the kid is 15. I mean, That's can you crazy. imagine how good he's going to be? Uh, and, of course, the hype is going to come. Who's going to get him? And the tank for Arch, you know, the Arch, uh, <laughs> you know, the golden Arch. I, mean, I don't know. What, 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 can, we, what can we use? The, uh, yeah. the March for Arch. Where does he go to school? Does he go to Ole Miss? Does he go to Tennessee? I, I, you know, it's kind of funny where, you know, because obviously uh, Peyton went to Tennessee. Yeah, Cooper, I think, Co- didn't Cooper go to uh, Ole Miss? I think so, and that's where uh, Eli went as well. E- Eli and Archie yeah. as well. So. so I think maybe uh, they, you know, go to Ole Miss. Of course, Ole Miss wants him to go now because they could yeah. – although isn't, uh, <laughs> isn't uh, what's-his-name, uh, the former Raider coach, isn't he with Ole Miss now? <laughs> you had to remind me of Lane uh, uh, Kiffin. Lane huh? Kiffin. I couldn't, thank God you remembered his name because I couldn't remember his name, but I knew he was over at Ole Miss. Yeah, the Lane Kiffin era in Oakland. Yeah. Or era. Oh, that was uh, a horror show. E-R-R-O-R. Um, lasted all of like five or six games before the late Al Davis uh, let him go. But, but, yeah, I mean, he's lighting it up. With, you know, he had a, they had a great game against Alabama last week, at, you know, in a shootout. So, Lane Kiffin is, you know um, – He's quite the guru with quarterbacks, and so you know we'll see. I mean, if if Arch goes down to Ole Miss, uh, it should it should you know really reignite a lot of those rivalries with Alabama and Ole Miss and uh, Ole Miss and uh, LSU and you know who, who doesn't love SEC football? Right, exactly. I, I actually think you know when you get back to the Mannings, I think that uh, eventually. You know, with Roger Goodell, uh, you know, I think he, when when he leaves, I think the uh, NFL should go right to Peyton Manning. There you go. There's there's the next commissioner of the NFL right there. <laughs> Peyton got it. I, you, know, you know what? He's such a good guy, and he's so. I mean, it was easy to root for him when he was with the Colts. Yeah. As a Raider fan, I had a little more difficult time when he was with the Broncos, but I still, when he was in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and had that last chance to win, I had a root for him. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I'm with you. You should be the next commissioner. Yeah, I, I find it interesting about um, there's always somebody that's going to complain about somebody, right? You look at their numbers, they're always complaining. Brady gets a lot of complaints. Uh, Manning got a ton of complaints. He didn't win the big one and blah, blah, blah. You know, a hard, it's always these people that complain, you didn't win the big one. They never won anything either. All these people that complain that you didn't win the big one. You know, it's like uh, seeing A-Rod complaining about players. And meanwhile, how many, how many World Series did A-Rod win? He won one. Right. I mean, let's be honest. He got to the Yankees and hit nothing in the postseason for many years. He had one good postseason and he's out there praising, you know, that, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. He's, you know, come on. You know, it's, well, think about it. We, we were lucky enough, right, to, to grow up and, and watch, you know, like the Derek Jeters of the world. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I'm a Mets fan. I'm not a Yankee fan. But I will say, you know, there's probably no baseball player that I admired more than Derek Jeter just because he epitomized everything that was good about baseball. He did everything the right way and you didn't hear about him. 
and he won. He won. Yeah. He constantly won. And that is the most difficult thing to do is to constantly be great. Tom Brady, for all the flack he gets, and I, I, I root against him too. I, yeah, me uh, too. I don't like him. I, but you know what? The hard, to constantly win and to win that division and get to Super Bowls, eight Super Bowls or whatever he's done, and the playoffs every single year, you know, uh, I mean, it's just ridiculously tough to do that, you know, and be great all those years, right? You remember the Braves of the 90s, right? Yeah. The Braves of the 90s and early 2000s, they only won one World Series uh, in 95. In but they made they won their division uh, like 14 years in a row. I mean, it, it was just insane. The Buffalo Bills got to four Super Bowls in a row. I know they didn't win any, but they should never be remembered as a loser they should always be remembered as a team that got to four straight Super Bowls. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, if you look at those Bills teams, and you brought up a good point about the Braves as well, but the Bills teams those years, they had to face the Cowboys a couple times. They had some rough – I mean, the Giants got a one good game in them, right? That was the only game that they could – they played the most perfect game. And even then, if, if – you know, I feel bad for Scott Norwood, but if he makes yeah. that kick, they win the game anyway. And they had the ball maybe 20 minutes. I mean, if you remember that yes. game, they, they really didn't. And the same goes for the Braves. They had the Yankees in there, you know, in 96. And, you know, twice. and then yeah. they, play, they played them twice, right? They played in, in, yeah. um, in, in 99. 96 and 98. Yeah, yeah, 98. 98 yeah. yeah, 98 was the Padres. So it had to be 99. Okay. Oh, yeah, 99, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you look at those, and, and they had they, – they lost to – you know, they played Cleveland. They, they did that. But the Braves were, you know, tremendous team. I mean, Glavin and Maddox in the Hall of Fame and – you know, John Smolson, they had three Hall of Famers on that pitching staff. Imagine that. Yeah. That's that's yeah. pretty I mean, amazing. We, you know, I, I think a, a lot, you know, we put such an emphasis on winning, right? But then when these teams are consistently great and just fall short of a championship, I, I think they get slighted a little bit by history. You know, and it's it's normal. You know, like the Jer Jer Derek Jeter will go down as the best shortstop of his era and a top five of all time simply because he won. You know, the other guys had better stats. No more Garcia Parra, A-Rod, while he was a shortstop. We're always you know, putting up better numbers, but Derek was the winner, you know. I look so, at uh, – I, I give the equivalent, and, and being a Devil fan and all – and I'm sorry, I know you're a Ranger fan. I don't mean to bring up bad <laughs> memories, but the Devils uh, and the Yankees. So I look at Jeter and I look at Martin Brodeur. Similar careers, if you think about it, right? And, and Brodeur was a tremendous goalie, but – he probably wasn't the best ever, but he won a lot, right? Brodeur was always in the big big games. Um, they did win a lot, but Brodeur also lost a lot, too, in, in, the, in the finals and stuff like that and different things. But the Devils won three cups with him. He was that type of player that, because he was surrounded by such a good team, that it made him even better, right? That's the, so. Well, I, I, yes, but I will say this. I, I think, again, you know, you look at Patrick – Patrick Waugh was the same way. He, yeah. he happened to be on teams that won with Montreal. Yeah. I apologize for the noise I'm outside. But, oh, that's all right. Uh, he won with Montreal. He won with uh, the Avalanche later on. Uh, Martin Brodeur might not be the greatest goalie of all time, but he, is a, he was a great, great goalie. Yeah. And those several teams, I think they get slided. I'm a Ranger fan, you mentioned. Yeah. And I was very jealous. But, you know, a lot of times people would say, oh, it's the system, Jacques Lemaire's system or whatever. They were great team yeah. you know, i mean they were historically great teams well and Mark, my ten door is a, a hall of fame historically great goaltender in my opinion oh absolutely i just mean you know you put him on different situations right they you put Derek jeter if maybe he started his career with tampa 
would he be as good, right? I mean, that's the thing. I agree, yep. It's the same thing with Brodeur. Yeah. You put him on another team, he might have been the greatest goalie of ever if if you don't know, right? With the same thing goes for Brady. If he had didn't have Belichick, you know, during his whole tenure and learning under the tutelage of Bill Belichick, would he be as good if he if Brady had gone to the Jets, what would have happened? That's what, you know, I mean, would he be would he even be in the league right now? He would have been beat that up. That is the ultimate question. Well, I, I find it funny because he's now with Tampa. And I think one of the games, he got hit more times in the one game than I think he got hit in five years in New England. <laughs> so I just yeah, – right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, i tell you what, and this is going to bring the conversation full circle, but, you know, more than any other game for any of my other teams, for any of the teams I root for, that's the one game that sticks in my craw the most. The Raider-Patriot playoff game in 2001. That's oh, the game, in the as snow. far as I'm concerned, that made – that made Brady. They lose that game. The Raiders, you know, if, if that wasn't called uh, the tuck rule, it yeah. was really a fumble. It we was a that. fumble. It was a fumble. Uh, Let's if be honest. The Raiders win that game and go on to play the Steelers in the championship. You know, there's who's to say that Brady is even the starter the next year? Because Drew Blood, he only started because Drew Blood so was hurt. So if Brady doesn't win a Super Bowl in that year, I don't know what his career might have been. Would uh, and and let me again, excuse me here. I don't. My memory is not as good as it used to be. Um, but wasn't Gruden still the coach back then? That was Gruden's last yeah, game. That, his, his, would he have gone? To, my point there was: Would he have gone to Tampa had he won in Oakland? No, because Al Davis traded him to Tampa Bay right. for a draft pick after that game because Gruden and Al didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And I think if the Raiders had won that game and maybe even won a Super Bowl or had gotten to the Super Bowl, they, I think Gruden would have stayed around. And then they got to the Super Bowl the next year with Bill Callahan, right? Is it <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so they, did, they didn't change any of the right. articles and Gruden no new mall. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But what's kind of funny is you look at that; they might have won back-to-back Super Bowls. You're right. The Raiders would have not. I mean, they probably wouldn't be in Vegas today either. So there's a there, sometimes there's a you know the old. You know, there there's a reason for everything, right? And uh, but uh, yeah, your football is one of those sports that has had bad. I mean, baseball too. The, the the officiating has really hurt football and baseball in a lot of cases. Where you know, you look at uh, 1988. Um, I'm just trying to think. It was a no. It may have been uh, 87. Was the Cardinals and the twin when the the terrible call yeah, the at first base? Yeah, yes. terrible yeah. call at first base. Uh, that you know makes the World Series there. You know you've had uh, where and they, and what I don't like is now they got replay. But you know why can't if you get it wrong? Why can't we just go and say that was wrong? Like the uh, perfect game the kid threw for the Tigers back in the when Colorado, yeah yes. when they you know the terrible call at first base and you know why can't you say it was wrong and bring him you know take him off the field and it's a perfect game you know like we know that was a perfect game it just it's interesting so. so cut- so kind of like when Jeffrey Mayer reached over and caught the ball that was later ruled a home run for Derek Jeter. Yeah. Maybe maybe the outfielder Tony Tarasco for the Orioles might have caught that one, and maybe the Yankees don't win that playoff. Right, and there you that, go. You got to bring one that, burns. <laughs> that burns your bush. I totally understand it. Uh, and that you know you're right. I mean that was not a home run. I mean we know that. Uh, if there was replay back then, we would you know Jeter would not. And you know and that's another story that maybe. You know, we, we talked about the the uh, Brady, right? That was the development of Jeter. Um, yes, it and, was. And, and had, had Jeter not won there, what would have happened, right? Would If the Yankees don't win in 96, 
you know, could they have been? I mean, they were a tremendous team, but um, but yeah, that that could have been uh, the start of it. Because look at them now; they've got a tremendous team, but they don't win. I mean, they just lost to Tampa, and you know, they just don't win. So it's it's all great yeah, to win a hundred games and whatever it is, but if you don't win the big one, then who cares? And the talk here is, you know, does uh, Aaron Boone keep his job? Which I think he does, but. But, you know, I mean, if you look at the way the Yankees are constructed and a lot, you know, baseball in 2020 is, you know, it's it's kind of sometimes hard for me to digest and watch these games because it's all about swing, you know, launch angles and, uh, you know, uh, exit velocity. velocity. <laughs> I did an, yeah. I did an episode on exit velocity, so I totally get it. I don't understand it. It's stupid. I don't care how hard or how fast it goes out. I, w- I want it to go out. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, like all the, the little nuances of the game, you don't see it. You know, like uh, guys just don't move runners, you know, along, you know, because baseball, the science of baseball says it's it's not worth doing that. You're better off swinging for defenses. And, you know, you're more likely to hit a home run than to score a run by bunting guys. But I just miss the little nuances of baseball. Uh, I do. That I saw growing up in the 70s and 80s. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one thing that Facebook is good at, they, they bring up memories, right? from a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. I had a quote about four or five years ago about baseball and the shift, that it should be a legal defense. Like, I think I hate the, I hate the shift. I hate the fact yeah. that – because in basketball, there's certain defenses that you can't do, right? It's a legal defense, right? right? Yes. So I would like to see that, that outlawed. I think once we get rid of the shift, get rid of this exit velocity nonsense, go back to where bunting is good, the analytics is good for certain things, but – we should. I mean, they're making these managers right now. Are they're just robots? They're just looking at a book and saying, "Oh, well, he's two for thirteen against this guy, so he's going to sit." Like, what if he? What if his right. next hit is going to be a home run? You don't know that. You don't. You also don't know about mental fortitude. You don't know. Uh, you know. You can see players perform in the regular season. Some do not in the postseason, right? I mean, some shine in the postseason. Um, you know, Renteria, uh, you know, there's some guys like Mark Lemke, uh, some guys yes. who played well in the postseason but didn't hit a lick the whole year. Bucky Brian Dent. Doyle. Brian Doyle. Brian Doyle. Yeah, Bucky Dent. Um, you know, they hit like 220 <laughs> during the regular season, and yet Bucky has one of the biggest home runs in Yankee history, you know. Or as they, as they call him in New England, Bucky Beeping. Yeah, down. Bucky but, yeah. Uh, And Aaron F. But, and Boone, you know, too. <laughs> but so you know, one of my sports heroes just passed away this week, Joe Morgan. Oh, I know. And, you know, when when I was reflecting on Joe's career, you know, would would Joe or players that from that era would they have had the same impact in today's game? You know, Joe did a lot of those little things that made him a winner and just made him a great player. Yes, he was, you know, he, he could hit home runs too, but but he he was just an all around great baseball player. Pete Rose. You know, another, you know, Cincinnati uh, hero, you know, would, would they have succeeded in today's game? I don't know. I think they would have. I think, you know, good players will play well and they adjust and adapt. But you look at Joe Probably, Morgan. Yeah. yeah, you look at Joe Morgan. I mean, the guy had one season where he had 100 RBIs. I'm, and, again, I'm just paraphrasing because I, I remember seeing something on it. He had 100 RBIs and 60 stolen bases in the yeah. same year. And tw- I think he had 20 home runs, too. I think it was it was either something like that. I know he's the only player to do that, like to have fifty more than fifty stolen bases, hundred RBIs, and twenty homers, something like that. But I, and he had the greatest, most copyable swing of all time. That oh yeah, chicken yeah, elbow thing. You know? Everybody we didn't yeah. do that when he was yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I love Joe Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just like I you know I always look back at the seventies just growing up in the when we did. And just the baseball was tremendous. I mean, the Yankees, Thurman Munson, and, you know, the, the 77 team with Reggie Jackson and all the nonsense in the Bronx Zoo. And, and just baseball in general was just fun to watch. Now it's like the analytics have taken a lot out of it. Um, you know, baseball players, uh, you look at uh, some of the best baseball players, and you don't even know about them, right, because they just don't get that same level like the NBA and the NFL and uh, I love baseball. Right. I I want it to succeed, and I think maybe hey, changing it. What What do you think of the, uh, the playoff format, or you know, some of the rule changes they made for this, you know, crazy abbreviated season, uh, having sixteen teams? I I, I thought it was going to be a little bit of a freak show, you know, when they first announced it, but I actually thought it played out pretty well, and I kind of dig the you know seven games in seven days. It really makes you know the pitching strategies come into play agreed the one thing i do hate about the way baseball is too going back i like the, the some of the rule changes but one rule change i want to make i hate the one inning pitcher uh, yankees yeah. tried it and then all of a sudden they bring in jay happ and he gives up five runs I, let let the guy go at least three to four innings what's with this one inning and then doing matchups you're not doing matchups in the second inning come on i mean that's ridiculous yeah, I, I, I hate that i i think I think the the devil the Rays lost last night when they decided to take out Snell, yeah. you know, in the fourth inning, and then the reliever that came in, Orman got shelled, and the game was ostensibly over. But yeah, I, I think managers are way too quick to play matchups. Like you said, you shouldn't be doing that in the third yeah. inning. Well, you know, you know it's interesting. So is that series now tied up at three? Is that right? Yes, it is. Wow. They were the first team since the Red Sox. In oh, yeah. You had, to, yeah, yeah, you had to bring that up. Oh, sure. Now we're going to end the show right now. That's that's just the perfect way to end it. The Red Sox. I had to bring up 2004. Oh. Yeah. It's just, oh. After 03, and then you're up 3 uh, You know, it's interesting. That that series, uh, you know, the Yankees won a game like 15 to 2 or something like that. And all of a sudden, it's like Big Poppy's walking one off. And, and you know, the movie. Uh, with uh, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, Fever Pitch had to be rewritten the ending after the Yankees wound up, after the Red Sox won the World Series. They had to change it because there was the typical, you know, uh, you know, the ending uh, was like, no, you know, it was always something. Bucky Dent, you know, they, but they wound up uh, erasing the Bambino, so you had to bring that up. Tom, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I, I forgot to even ask you, uh, and forgive me on this, but what are you doing today? Like, you, you know, we did radio together. You had had the famous buy and sell show, which we need to come back to. We need to bring that show back. But what are you doing now? Uh, I'm actually, I, I still, uh, I still dabble in the, in the world of radio. I do commercial voiceovers independently, but uh, I work for a document management company. I'm a project manager. Uh, it's, you know, a whole other world that, uh, you know, I got to tap into my analytical part of my brain as opposed to the creative and you know it's a great industry and um you know i've made a lot of great great friends and great people along the way uh but i still like i said i still dabble in the radio and you know i'm inspired by you maybe i'll even do a podcast what? i don't know what i'll say but no, i think it's so. well, i didn't know what i say and i actually after 28 episodes i still don't know what i say but that's uh that's fun i appreciate you coming on today uh remember you can like lens burning bush on facebook at at lens burning bush Follow Lens Burning Bush on Twitter. Listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio. Tune in. And now, Tom, you can ask Alexa 
play Len's Burning Bush. And it'll play the latest episode for you. And since it's your episode, you can play that um, uh, this week and uh, listen to it because uh, it's just riveting, riveting, riveting episodes, right? Uh, everybody just hey, enjoys it, you know? <laughs> it's all good. I, I, yeah, I'm so glad you reached out to me. It's great talking to you, yes. uh, we, we need to catch up more. Maybe we'll go catch a Raider game out in oh, Vegas, right? I'm, I'm there, brother. I, I'm going. I, I, nothing. Vegas is my Disneyland. That is exactly what I wanted to bring out. Vegas is my Disneyland. Forget going to see Mickey. I would rather be in Vegas at a, at a, at a blackjack table. But that's, that's another story. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We've uh, got 26 states, the District of Columbia, plus a few downloads in the U.K., Ireland, Germany, Alberta, Canada. So, hey, my friends up north even, or, or there's people uh, listening to Lens Burning Bush. So thanks, Tom Ragone. I'm Len Harvey. We'll be back again with another episode of Lens Burning Bush next week. So long. <laughs>